Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone, so welcome to Series 3, Episode 2 of the Teachers Podcast. So after what has been a pretty turbulent and unpredictable 18 months, taking care of the mental health and well-being of young people is something I'm sure has been on your mind, because it's certainly been on my mind, and the minds of lots of teachers up and down the country. But sometimes I feel it's really hard to know where to start when it comes to implementing strategies for well-being in the classroom. And that's where today's guest, Karen Gibb, comes in. So Karen is a founder and director of Mind Marvels, which supports young people with their mental health in schools, nurseries and online. So Karen set up her company purely by accident in 2019 after she'd been teaching for three years, then she went traveling for four years and traveling really opened up her eyes to being independent. And then after a light bulb moment in 2016, where she discovered mindfulness and she also did a stress reduction course, which was run by the NHS, the door just opened for her to start her own business and start sharing what she'd learned with children and with school staff. So I know you're going to learn so much from Karen. So let's just get straight to the interview. Karen, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Thank you for having me. So this is this is very weird for us because this is the first time we're seeing each other in person. Um, although it's not really in person, is it? Because it's it's over the internet. Um, but we've talked to each other so much on Clubhouse and and WhatsApp and all sorts of voice messages. So it's just lovely to have you here. It's an absolute pleasure to see you face to face, even though it's virtual still. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have a lovely conversation because Karen's got some amazing things to share. So first thing in, let's just dive straight in. So can you explain then for a teacher who has never heard about it before, the, the NHS five steps? Absolutely. So the NHS five steps to mental well-being, it was piloted back in 2008. So it's quite old in terms of well-being literature now. Literature, <laughs> big word. Um, but what what's really nice about it is that it's basically five simple steps that adults and children can incorporate into their kind of well being, their well being life. So we have learn, move, connect, mindful, and be kind. Now I've adapted them slightly to be a bit more kind of child friendly, but every one of them is is basically a strand of well being that can really help sort of incorporate mindfulness and relaxation but also just stillness into our lives a bit of calm in the chaos if you like so you, you're obviously quite passionate about these five steps what was you like what was your life like before as a person before you discovered them Chaotic, very chaotic. So I, I was a teacher previously and I worked in behavioural schools and in social work department with children in, from care homes or perhaps um, children that had maybe been expelled from several schools. I really loved the work, but I needed to do a lot of self-development 
uh, personally. I was always very anxious. I always blamed other people for things that went wrong. I didn't take response responsibility or ownership for any of the things that happened in my life. And then back in about 2016, I discovered mindfulness and I discovered this course the NHS ran in Scotland and it was all about stress reduction techniques and it sounds so cheesy but it was the light bulb moment for me it was really this moment where I went wow and it was all about how your thoughts don't represent you know your your thoughts don't change your circumstances but your thoughts are the only thing that you can actually control and for me it was so powerful because all of a sudden I had this outlet where I didn't always need to justify everything that happened to me, but instead I could sort of see ways around it or look into being more positive or find solutions. And for me, as somebody that was always very, I love being in control, probably why I am a business owner now, but I, it was a very, very powerful moment for me and it, it really helped shift my, my life in so many positive directions afterwards. I love that we're talking about this because I like to talk about this on the podcast quite a lot. Um, mindfulness and self-development. And I think one of the things you said there about taking responsibility, it's, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, but it's even harder when you don't realise that that's what you need to do. Um, that, that that can feel like such a difficult thing to get through. So, yeah, it, but it does open a door, doesn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, and it's huge, and you you always think, why was I never taught this? You know, why did I go through this cycle of negativity, anxiety? And don't get me wrong, that's got me to where I am now, but I feel like sometimes if I'd known this younger, my life could have been totally different from a really young age. But I guess we learn, and we learn from our past, you know, mistakes and experiences, so actually it has benefited me in the long run, definitely. And that's why you're here now. So I feel like we can really nicely segue into the next question. So why is it that you're so passionate then about well-being and the and the five steps? I think it's just I really love helping people, and I've always been a big helper. I've always. If I'm honest, I've always loved to be the centre of attention, which actually being quite an anxious child was really conflicting because I loved drama and singing and, and showing off you know I, I was I was a natural presenter um, I was always inventing like Blue Peter programs in my head and presenting news round in my in my house you know really trying to just be it be the centre of attention but with that sort of extrovert came this inner introvert where I would feel really really stressed and anxious at different times and then that led to this cycle of complete confusion where I would have these sort of erratic mood swings, if you like, where I'd be really hyper, then shy, then anxious, then hyper, and on it went. So I think if I'd had a bit more clarity as a youngster, if I'd been introduced to some calming strategies and tools to help that, actually it would have probably helped me <laughs> a lot quicker in the long run to discover who I am and triggers and ways to actually help myself regulate my own emotions from a really young age. So how is it that you're helping children now? I work um, with my business Mind Marvels. We go into schools and nurseries and we talk to young people using these five steps. So we talk a little bit about the brain and what goes on inside the brain. 
And then we talk, we do a bit of mindful movement, a little bit of sort of breathing strategies, ways to feel calm. Story massage for younger children is a great way to explore different emotions. Mindfulness, a little bit of mindfulness as well. And then we also move into talking about gratitude, be kind, positive affirmations as well. So every session that I deliver has these little snapshots of the five, the five steps to mental well-being. And I think for children that's so great because children very rarely can sit still for long periods of time, nor should we really expect them to, but this allows them to have little short bursts of different ways to help their well-being. So by the end of the session, they've ran through the five steps and they'll have at least one or two strategies that will work for them. And that's really, really powerful when you have a class of 30 kids with all different needs and abilities. Okay, so if you're a teacher now and you're listening and you're interested in, you know, the five steps, what actionable tips have you got for them to to maybe implement into the classrooms this, this coming week? Excellent. Just start start slow. Don't think you have to do all the steps and you have and you have to get it all implemented, but really, really small changes can make a massive difference in your classroom. So perhaps you could have a relaxation when the kids come in in the morning or after playtime or lunchtime when it's really, really busy and hectic. Just have a couple of moments of relaxation. You could have the Daily Mile. Do you guys have a Daily Mile in England? Yeah. There are there are some schools that do the Daily Mile, yes. Yep, so just taking the, the kids out into the playground, walking basically for the equivalent of one mile around the playground can really help just release those endorphins and help and help clear the mind. So exercise is really important as well. But what might help teachers as well is knowing that you probably are doing a few of these things without realising they might have a tag or a, or a name on them. I know so many teachers are really, really into wellbeing, relaxation, perhaps just about, you know, calming children down. So it is just about finding what works for you. And I don't expect to walk into classrooms and every child is sitting cross-legged, you know, doing a meditation. That's that's not really what what happens it's about finding things already work in the classroom and maybe embedding them a little bit more or maybe talking to children in a different way so instead of us saying to children or you know and, and I was really guilty of this as a teacher as well I would say calm down and actually do we give young people the strategies to calm down or is that just a meaningless phrase that we say because we were taught it I know I was told to calm down on many occasions as a youngster <laughs> sometimes now I'm still told that (laughs) but it's more about how we can let young people find strategies that work for them to be calm super thank you okay um so you've said um about tips for what teacher could do in the classroom what about tips for themselves Absolutely. So there's that cliche phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. So it's all about how do you look after yourself so that you can look after other people as well. So really, really small 
Um, self-care is massive. I would really recommend that teachers know that that to-do list will always be there and that's not something that I necessarily knew as a teacher. I would stay in, the, this one of the schools I worked in was a community, community school, so it had a swimming pool and the, the, the community could access it after school, which meant that the classrooms were open until nine o'clock every night because the, the school didn't shut until then. That was detrimental to me because it meant that every single night I was in there until seven, eight, nine o'clock and my to-do list was never finished. And even if the very rare occasion it was finished, I would then be thinking about things to add to it the next day anyway. So what I would say is that to-do list will always be there. Just try and delegate what is really important um, rather than... I would get rid of laminating if I could. I just think... I used to the spend, environment as well. It's so bad for the environment. But I used to spend hours and hours laminating big so displays. Oh, now I totally cringe, A, for the environment, but B, because what was the point you know in the nicest way surely we should have walls and I, I did used to do that in my later kind of teaching years but I used to have walls where children would just go up and just stick their their artwork up and it didn't need a nice little tag with their name on it it was just like a, a, a wall that they could make and have ownership of themselves so I would say it's less about making things really colourful and laminating and more about just getting those relationships together you know really working mm -hmm. on how how to explore those relationships with the young people so I would say less of the to-do list less of the written work and I know that's easy saying that when you, you don't know you know I don't know the boss breathing down my neck but really just to delegate the the really important tasks and I was really a, a efficient as a teacher so I used to write my class reports in an hour and a half and teachers would say to me, you know, why, how, how have you done that? And I would just get to it. I would just get on with it. But I used to stop and start tasks. And I think that's really dangerous because we think we're great multitaskers. But actually, if you, unless you just set your mind to one task, you'll never truly finish it, you know, in, in enough time. So to-do lists will always exist. Think less about display boards and classrooms. And I would definitely say more about relationships, connections rather than discipline, if you like, in the class. So when, when you know, a young person comes to school and they don't have a pencil or they don't have their uniform on, what about just taking that child to the side and saying, you know, is everything okay? Do you, do you need breakfast? You know, we don't know what's going on at home and we're quite often, we pick up on the smallest thing and when you think about that from a child's perspective, you just don't really know what has been happening in that young person's life. So I definitely think building connections and relationships is so much more important than some of the admin work that we put ourselves through as teachers. Yeah, and it's so hard, isn't it? Because we put expectations on ourselves and then we have other expectations as well. And we would just want it to be perfect. And when I think back to when I used to laminate everything, it was less about what went on the board and it was more about, I thought they would help me next year, but then <laughs> I didn't end up using it or there was always some reason or maybe there was an error on one thing. So then they all had to be done again. Or I just think actually what I should have done was manage my TA better so that I never had to do anything like that. So it didn't matter that next year it needed to be cut up again and a, a new set needed to be used on paper. 
I don't know, maybe it's an activity. Um, mm. But I was, thought I was saving myself time by not having to cut it out again. So I suppose it's being realistic about those things. And, and sometimes we, we don't kind of realise that until we're three or four years into teaching the same year group. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it's one of those I, things, isn't it? <laughs> I was really lucky because one of the schools I worked in, we could give in work that we needed photocopied to the office and they would, so if you wanted booklets made up, they would do it for you. But I remember going down to see the, the, the kind of admin staff and asking for these booklets to be made up and just the the dirty looks I got because every teacher used to do it themselves. But the, apparently it was part of the role at that time that you could ask them. And I didn't know that teachers took that burden on themselves. So I'm going down this newly qualified teacher, like, you know, 21 years old. Oh, could you please photocopy? And the way they made me feel, I never asked them again when actually that was part of their remit. But because we are teachers, we think, oh, we've got to do everything ourselves. So perhaps it is about being smart with delegations. And if people don't want to do work for us and that is their job role, maybe it is about having that conversation in a polite way and saying, well, you know, this this is designed to help me and and having those awkward conversations. But when you're young and you're new, you, you don't want to rock the boat, you don't want to annoy people. And it's about finding a way to talk to people in, in the right way that gives them respect, but gives you respect equally too. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's just about being young. I think it's about, you know, as a teacher, you're not given any training on management. Um, but yep. really, you are expected to manage a TA in the classroom. And all these those kind of relationships with adults can then become very difficult when you've got a different relationship with children. And I know that all too well from just from having a team of ex-teachers <laughs> right now. Um, Absolutely. So it's, it's not the easiest thing, is it? Mm -hmm. I remember I worked at a special needs school, an additional support needs school, and I had five staff in my class because the school, the, the kids were very complex needs. And that was a job I was not prepared for because it came with all these duties and, and, and management role of managing this team of, of mostly lovely women in the class, but also women that had been there for 20 years as teaching assistants and didn't want things to change so when you introduce new things it was like that'll never work or if you asked them to go and photocopy something you know you felt like you had bossed them around so you know in the in the it was really so difficult tough. so difficult I, I know exactly what you mean especially as you <laughs> you were in secondary I was in secondary so we had reprographics as well but yeah. I also didn't learn how to ask for it in a quick way. Um, so I was just like, there's no point in asking for this because it's going to take me longer. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's really funny because all the skills you learn as a teacher, you realise how relevant they are in your own life. You know, you become a, a skilled no negotiator by the end. You be you learn how to, when you speak to parents and TAs and you speak to pupils, you learn this whole different skill set of communication and, and how to talk to a parent about maybe their child that has been slightly challenging for you you know you'll learn yeah. dif different ways to sort of negotiate almost <laughs> yeah anyway I feel like we've gone off on a tangent but it's been a lovely chat though I think he's got yeah. to talk about how things really are um but anyway where can we find you on social media absolutely it's really easy so I'm on 
everything instagram twitter linkedin and facebook and it's just mind marvels so just the one word mind marvels and my website is mindmarvels.co.uk and i'm really happy to chat to anyone that wants to have a little word whether it's about teaching or anything else i just love networking and finding out people do so feel free to get in touch and that's true i can vouch for that she does love networking and chatting especially if you're on clubhouse as well uh, yeah. <laughs> so we've had some lovely, lovely chats. So Karen, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, do visit Karen's website, mindmarvels.co.uk, um, because it's been lovely to hear you talk more in depth about uh, some of the work that you do, because I know we have lots of chats about education business as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's been lovely. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure again. <laughs> thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.